Anita, how's your mental health? <laughs> Questionable <laughs> at all times. You know this. Yeah. How's the mental health of your children? Um, also a little bit tricky. Can I tell you my experience in trying to find therapists for myself and my kids, Mel? Yes, please. Okay. This is how it goes. You ask around your friends and your family for a referral for somebody who's nearby. You finally find somebody who sounds like they might work for your family. You give them a call and you find out that A, they're not accepting new patients or B, they have a huge wait list. So you start over again and you ask people if they know anybody who would be a good therapist and a good fit. Finally, you find one, you go and you meet with them and you figure out that you don't actually like them that much. But it's been so much work to find somebody who you can go to in your area that you're kind of stuck with them. Well, do you have any ideas for how to get around this? Um, I do, because guess what? I've actually had some therapists that I have found on my own, which involves what you're saying. Sometimes I remember one time I was like three hours in the bathtub on my phone looking through yeah. websites. I was such a prune at the end. But I have also had the experience with working with BetterHelp and it was like, I, I don't want to say too good to be true, but because it is true, but it's like amazing because I was matched with my therapist within 24 hours. And you didn't have to go through all of that other ridiculous process of trying to find somebody. And here's the cool thing too, is if that person didn't work out for you, you can just switch and say, and it's not like you're committing to another years long search for somebody who you're going to jive with. It's true. And I lucked out or maybe just BetterHelp is really good at matching people together because I never had to change my therapist. I loved her. Perfect fit for me. And I know that some of our friends have used BetterHelp and they've had to change therapists and boom, same day can change. Easy peasy. You can ghost your therapist. <laughs> Get a new one. I love this idea. BetterHelp is one of our sponsors. If you use our promo code, trybetterhelp.com slash WWDN, you get 10% off your first month and we totally recommend it. Yes. Get some therapy. That's <laughs> trybetterhelp.com slash WWDN. You look a little like Pippi Longstocking. I braided my hair today for a reason. Yeah, because it's Sunday, your favorite day of the year and month and week. Actually, I have no idea what day it is. It could be Sunday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Now, just a warning to everybody who has listened to us in the past. You may know that Anita does not love Sundays. They're the worst! Yes, they're hard days for her, as they are for many of us widows. And unfortunately, I forgot last week, coming up on the weekend, that November 6th, which is my death anniversary, four years now, was yesterday. So... Yesterday, we did not record, and today we are recording on Anita's worst day ever. But yesterday was also, like, I don't want to record yesterday. So thank you, Anita, for taking one for the team. Sorry to everyone who's listening. It's It doesn't matter when we would have recorded. I would have been just as grumpy, maybe grumpier. So it it, it really, it doesn't matter. Do you want to tell us about your death anniversary and how it went? Okay, I actually had a really great day. I cleared everything. And I went to an arcade, and I played my favorite arcade game called Big Buck Hunter Pro, which I know makes no sense because I don't so like hunting funny. and I love animals. I know, but listen, you get the best deal for your money. You can play for like 30 minutes on $2, <laughs> and it's really funny. Anyone who's played it that likes it understands me. So I did that, and then I bought myself an outfit, and I made a little post about Scott, and I thought that... 
I would do something that had the word for in it. Scott was all about kindness, and so I thought it would be fun and poignant for people to do four things for others. Oh, yes. And then I found a picture that was the first picture that Scott and I took where he sent it out to his friends and family where they saw it and they were like, um, those two are going to be together forever, except for we weren't together forever because he died. So I put one picture up and that was it. It was a picture that meant a lot to both of us. Mm. And yeah, the day was pretty easy. Now, today is not easy, which this is what makes me crazy about grief. Sometimes you have a great day and you anticipate the day to be the worst and then the delayed reaction comes in. So today I'm kind of working through some trauma feelings and and my brain is a little bit upside down even though we got an extra hour because of daylight savings and I'm yeah, rolling I'm just, my eyes so hard right now. Yeah, but you know what else is annoying? We talk to so many people that are widows and experts and we get all this information and you and I Anita every day we talk and and the topic of widowhood and death and trauma is always on our mind. So we always have tips that we can use that we remember and I have tried the tips that have normally worked for me and they're not working for me today (laughs) so I'm sorry to everyone also I'm just a little bit wonky but yeah I think everybody will understand I mean the death anniversary is a big day and you got through the day and then it's like ha 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 you thought you were off scot-free see what (laughs) I did there see what I did there okay check this out though when I was at the mall playing arcade games I had to go to the bathroom. So I went to the bathroom and then I went to wash my hands. And it was one of those paper towel holders that was automatic. And it comes out and embossed on the paper towel, it said Scott all over it. You know, the brand Scott, like toilet paper. I have never in my life seen those kinds of paper towels. And as it came out, it was like Scott was right there going like, here I am. I see you. I know I'm not here in person, but I'm here. So that was nice. Thanks, Scott. Maybe. He, he provided you a way to dry your hands. I washed my hands on you, Scott. <laughs> also, shout out to our friend Melissa, who also became a widow on November 6th, but before I did. And her husband's name is Scott, and she was one of our guests, Melissa Ponder Breckman. We thought of you yesterday as well. And anybody who had a November 6th death anniversary, sending you lots of hugs. Hope it <sighs> went how it needed to go. What's up with you? I was useless to you. I couldn't even go get tacos with you because... Dun, dun, <laughs> dun! <laughs> Last week I shared that two of my kids had tested positive for COVID just in time to miss Halloween which was the worst for them and in turn for me because I had to manage their disappointment and their anger. Well, it turns out that sleeping with two kids breathing COVID in your face all night long, the vaccine's no match for that. So I came down with COVID. I tested positive and so did my other son. So we have one remaining holdout. That's my daughter. And she just stays in her bedroom all the time. So... She's been able to avoid it. She is the wisest one. <laughs> I know. She's been given, like, she's been given permission to do what she just wants to do anyway, which is just hide from everybody. But, uh, yeah, I, I started having a few symptoms, went in and got tested. It's been really mild, and I'm so thankful for that because 
you know, we have lots of friends in the Widow Wives Club and people that we know who have lost their spouse or their partner to COVID. And so it's kind of in your mind how it's not like that for everybody. But even being a little bit sick with four kids is really not fun. I mean, I am just about, I am to my limit, to be very honest. This week has been really hard. We, I have been alone with them 24 hours a day for the last nine days, and it's been really hard. <laughs> no breaks, no school, no anybody here to help. I would just like to point out to everyone that Anita is dealing with all the aforementioned things and is active on social media, providing support and encouraging words to widows. So Anita, I know you feel like crap and your life sucks and maybe those things are true and you're helping people. Sorry about the ands, but it's true. Look at you. It's all about the ands. Yeah. It's, it's been really hard because I have felt, I mean, it's like, it's like, you know, depression, but kind of squished into this one week period where I don't really feel like trying to even accomplish anything useful. You know, I'm like, well, I could do that on my computer, but why? You know, I I don't want to. And it's like my kids are out in the hallway screaming right now. And every second of the day is just spent putting out a fire, sometimes literally, or trying to (laughs) keep people from (laughs) attacking each other. Oh, yeah, I and it sends me into these spirals where I feel like I'm not good at this and I'm not good at anything and, you know, everything. I start to feel really poorly about myself in every single facet. Motherhood, uh, podcast, how, you know, my my athletics, all of the things just kind of spiral downward and then I'm a mess. But hopefully I told Mel that I am being resurrected on the 12th of November. Hopefully things will get better after that. Let's tell everybody that we won something, though, because here's the deal. Normally, for my death anniversary last year for Scott, I went to an Airbnb to stay somewhere for the weekend just to kind of reset. And this year, I didn't get to that point. But Anita and I actually won an Instagram contest. And guess what we get to do? Tell them. Sometimes we assume that unless we had a huge life insurance payout, we don't really need to know anything about investments or even finances. But guess what? A little knowledge of finances is critical for all of us. Maybe your partner was in charge of that stuff, and now you find yourself making all the decisions. Maybe you're mad about that. Maybe I am. Nicole from the He's Gone But The Money's Not podcast is here to help. She tackles financial literacy by telling the stories of women and widows and finance experts and shares the lessons they've learned as certified financial planners. Whether you know a lot and feel confident in your financial decisions or feel unsure about all of that stuff, there is more to learn. Listen and subscribe to the He's Gone But The Money's Not podcast on all podcast platforms. This ad was paid for by Rockhouse Financial and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. We get to go to a mountain bike clinic in St. George, which is about four hours south of us. It will be nice and warm and beautiful, and it's going to be so fun. Okay, so the way that we won this is that we had to tag a friend and share a story of what got us into mountain biking and why we wanted to do the clinic. 
I mean, how can you compete with two widows? And one of the widows started mountain biking because they were reclusive in their basement for one year. I'm sorry, you cannot beat that. So we won. We pulled the widow card hard, man. We slapped that widow card on the table. And you know what's so funny? Like, that is actually the true story of why I got into mountain biking. Yeah. (laughs) We didn't even lie. So I am using that, which is going to be, I think, in a week. A week from today or tomorrow or something. I'm using that for my delayed death anniversary trip and... It could be a celebratory trip for you to be out of your COVID quarantine. It's going to be like an escape from prison. I'm not even joking. I can't even. <laughs> I'm just like, I really need to go away after this. So it's going to work out perfectly. Things are looking up. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. Life's a roller coaster. You know what we have this weekend, Anita? Mm, yeah, I do actually. Maybe this will help you and everybody. We have our Zoom hangs. With Autumn Barker, clinical mental health counselor. Yes. Keep your eyes peeled in the Widow Wives Club for links. Also, if you subscribe to our newsletter, we will be sending one out today. And it will have links in there as well. So make sure you join. There are two sessions. One is 12 p.m. Mountain Standard Time now. Yeah. It's standard now, right? Because of daylight saving. 12 p.m. Correct. Mountain Standard Time time and 7 p.m mountain standard time google that join us it's fun we also include a time converter mostly for liz in australia (laughs) and aaron so aaron can help her and there you go join us it'll be fun sometimes people need to cry sometimes they need to laugh you never know what's going to happen but We have found that it provides a safe space and community, and people usually leave the meetings feeling better than they did before. Hey, come join us in the Widow Wives Club, though. Great place to be. Great place to find support. And we love all of the people who are in there. So thank you for making it such a wonderful community and supportive and not jerky. And funny. We had a really hilarious thread this week naming funny names to the different months of the year thanks to our widow friends in there who started that our friend tracy is hilarious and provided great comedy on that thread thank you and to everyone who joined in as well now another exciting thing that you may know about is we have started in-person hangouts if you need to find an area near you go to our website widowwedonow.com go to the top right corner click on meetups Find your area and email the facilitator. We have so many great friends that are heading these up and we know them and they're fun and they really understand what it's like to be a widow because they are a widow or a widower. If you don't see your area, please email us if you are interested in facilitating and just know that facilitating sounds like a scary word, but really it just means you're like, hey, do you want to go get brunch? Cool. The end. Unless you want to make it a big deal and then have way more intricacies involved. It can be whatever it needs. Also on our website, you can buy t-shirts if you would like one that says funny stuff about death. Yep. We also have Resilience AF if you're feeling resilience vibes. So check it out. Nope. Not right now I'm not. But maybe next week I will. If you want to keep the podcast going, will you please consider joining our Patreon? It's patreon.com slash WWDN. There are many benefits associated with multiple tiers in Patreon, and one of the benefits is you get a shout-out in episode at a certain 
Patreon level and higher. And we're going to do that right now. We're going to start with Val Packer. Tara Wallace. Tammy Schwartz. Sunshine Haven. Stacy Sayward. Shannon Helm. Sarah Kennedy. Peter Rukavina. Mary McGowan. Marjorie Lewis. Lori Farrington. Kara Scara. Katie Radcliffe. Karina Jacobo. Julie Stevenson. The Fancy Lady. Jocelyn Milo. She sent me the nicest miss. Oh. Jenny Barrow. My mom, who's been taking care of me this whole week and buying things and bringing them to my house. Also, Jackie. Yes. She went to Costco for me. She dropped off bagels. They've been amazing. Next, we have Ileana Bell. Ian Cini. Gabe Lozano. Aaron Posick. Emily Toledo. Emily Thornton. Diana Becker. Debbie Fells. What are we doing with our voices? I'm trying to do like a soft, like, you know, like a soft rock station. Oh. You see that? Where are we now? Yes. An adult contemporary category. This is Delilah. And next we have <laughs> Don Barber. Mindy Holmgren. Cindy Raynaud. Next we have Christine Anderson. <laughs> Christina Scambato. Anna Tracy. Vicky Spit. She needs some feisty, feisty vibes. I want to know how she's doing. Tell us how you're doing, Vicky. Yeah, and it's okay if it's very bad. The Winehouse, Karen Cornejo. Our new widow wife, Taylor Snyder. Sylvia. The Shore. Mel's mom. Sarah Morris. Rachel Barbosa. Woot, woot. <laughs> Missy Schubert. Marie Hoffman. Gosh, I need it. <laughs> Leslie Webb. Spooky, scary Kirsten Stromberg. Cafe Murray. Jenny Wang. Jennifer Hassel. Hoff. Je- Jennifer Brown. <laughs> Jenny Taylor. We saw her on TV on a commercial. My mom and I did. Oh, I didn't. Dennis Brazo. You know why you didn't? Because the only people that watch TV are people that don't have streaming. Yeah, mm, it's true. No offense. You're not old, or you are. Dennis Brazo. Not a Debbie Downer and Scarlett and Willow. Danielle Ketterberg. Christina Shiplett. Ashley Hahn. Amy Sapp. And just Amy. (laughs) She doesn't need a last name. Sam Finlayson. Krista Waite. Cat. Ivan Meisner, who's on an island somewhere. And then going to outer space. No big deal. Gail Paxton. Don Satterwhite. David Colley. That was weird. Sorry, David. (laughs) I don't know what that was. Constance Dahlbeck. And our secret dead husband, who says, Widow and the Beast. (laughs) Tale as old as time. (laughs) (laughs) And last but not least, we have... Floral Arrangement Wendy. Mm -hmm. Beautiful, huh? Yeah. Just like your voice over that whole segment. Wow, I'm tired now. (laughs) Thank you, everybody who has joined us on our Patreon. We really are so grateful for your support. We hope that we are giving support back to you in a way that's meaningful and... We hope to keep doing that. And if you do not want to join our Patreon but would like to buy us tacos, please consider checking out buymeacoffee.com slash widow we do now. And if you don't want to do that because you're a poor widow, 
We get it. Just give us a rating and review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, and even consider sharing the podcast on your social media or with somebody who you think might benefit from it. Well, Anita, I think that you might enjoy this episode because you were there and you might remember it, (laughs) but nobody else has heard it yet. You guys, this was a fun one, and we know a lot of you are interested in this topic, and we had a fun time talking to this next guest, who was a super cool human and very fun to talk to, as well as gave us some interesting information. Let's do it. I'm Anita. I'm Mel. We're two young widows. I have nothing more to say, and we're just (laughs) trying to figure out what we do do now. Actually, I feel happier now that we have talked to each other and recorded a little bit, so that's good. Oh, good. Thank got you. It out. This episode is sponsored by the Meisner Family Foundation in memory of Elizabeth Meisner, who is not in outer space. Or maybe she is. Anita, this is the best of all of the days of my life. I know that you have been anticipating this day with great joy and great pleasure, and the day is finally nigh. It is true, and I'm going to let our next guest tell us more about herself, which is why I'm so excited, but let's welcome to the podcast, Michelle Clare. Hello, thank you for having me. So excited to be here. We are so glad to have you. First of all, will you tell our audience what you do? I am a medium. I'm an angel communicator also. I'm an intuitive life coach and a spiritual advisor. That was a lot of things. It's a lot. I've also survived three near-death experiences. Okay. Okay. That's that's, that's a lot. (laughs) You've died three times and come back. Where do we begin? I know. Well, I'd like to know where are you joining us from? I'm in Phoenix, Arizona. Okay. So are you a medium full time? I mean, I guess you can't really turn it off, can you? But like for your job. (laughs) Right, right. For my job, I'm a medium full time. But actually, you can turn the volume down. So I'm so happy you said that. When I go to the grocery store, here's the number one question. When you're at the grocery store or Target, are you standing in line and people's grandmothers and uncles and whoever are tapping you on the shoulder? And the answer is no, because when you're really working as a professional medium, we turn the volume down on it. So when I'm working, I turn that volume up and I'm really connected to spirit. I'm never disconnected, but there's like a volume button that we use. It's our best friend. Okay. I have another question. When you're at the grocery store, do the watermelons tell you which one is ripe? Only if I knock on them. <laughs> Dang it. I was hoping you had some sort of like skills in, in, in produce, some benefit like that. Yes, right. <laughs> the spirits of produce speak to you. <laughs> so let's get into a bit of your near death experiences. I have a question. Before you had near death experiences, were you prone to spiritual matter or communication? Yes, I was. So I was about 12 years old when my grandfather passed away. I usually say transition um, because it's really life after life, just transitioning this life to the next. And um, when he transitioned, I noticed we were still in communication and we were still talking and he would tell me things. And I would tell my mom and my mom would say to me, well, I know you think that's what grandpa would say if he was still here. 
So I kind of learned my conversations with me and grandpa were just between me and grandpa. And I, and I didn't share it too much with anyone else. Then my grandmother transitioned, same thing, still talking to grandma, but it really took until my third near death experience to say, oh, wow. Okay. This is big. This is so much more than I had let it be up until that point. I just am trying to figure out what you do for a job that is so dangerous that you've died three times. And it probably has nothing to do with your job, but I need to know. I'll tell you. Okay. I will tell you. Yes. Beware. I am. I was a stay-at-home mom. No, no. <laughs> your kids killed you. <laughs> it was my kids. Oh, I'm feeling no. that acutely right now. I know, I know. It was actually my kids that brought me back twice. That's oh, what I will tell okay. you. Okay. Okay. We can um, continue. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> so they were all very different. So the near-death experiences were all very different. Um, the first one happened in April 2006. And I was actually in the hospital that day visiting my sister-in-law who had just had a baby. And her RN was one of my friends from high school. So I was out in the hallway talking to her and I had a massive seizure. And what I remember, which most people, I've never had a seizure before or since then. So it was just this one massive episode. I remember opening my eyes and I was laying in this beautiful white room and there were walls, but the walls were like alive. So it was like they were solid, but they were cells or molecules and they were radiating light and love. And I remember feeling all of this love and compassion. I had truly never felt that loved in my life. And I realized I'm laying with my head in my grandma's lap and my grandma had transitioned a couple of years before this. And she looked like the youngest, healthiest version of her that I could ever remember. And I was laying there looking at her, just really soaking this all in. And I looked next to her and there is an angel that is 12 feet tall standing next to my grandma. And it was huge, magnificent, awe-inspiring, all-encompassing. And I was just almost in awe. I have no better word than that. As I was sitting there, I, I decided, oh, I want to see her wings because I just knew she was going to have these great feather wings, right? And so I go to look at her wings and I realized they were light. They were not wings made of feathers. They were made of light. And the light moved like the Aurora Borealis would. And they were translucent and iridescent and they just shimmered and they seemed to span eternity. I'm sitting here just in awe of this angel feeling all of this love, this completeness, no sense of time. And in my mind, I thought, I thought, well, what is her name? What is your name? And the next thing I know, she answered me in my head. She said her name was Madeline and she was one of my guardian angels. And then I was a little surprised because I was like, oh my God, she can hear what I'm thinking. <laughs> you know, I didn't know she could hear what I was thinking. And I just sat there and was absorbing the moment and felt so loved, complete, whole. And the next thing I know, I hear someone yelling, code, code, code. And I was back in my body. So I had quit breathing during the seizure. When I re-entered my body, my body, my arm alone felt like it weighed a hundred pounds. It was so heavy and so dense. It took me a couple of weeks to share that with my mom. I knew I had had an experience, but I actually did not have the term near-death experience. So I didn't know what to call that, but it was more vivid and more real than my daily 
life. I was married. Um, I did not have kids. I was working for the airlines. That was kind of my first one. And then my second one happens in April. It's actually May 2006. So at this point in time, I have three kids. Um, My son was born April 1st, 2006. So what happened after I had him was I had multiple complications. So I would be running fevers. They'd admit me into the hospital on IV antibiotics for five or six days, send me home, fever would come back, back and forth for six weeks. So finally, the doctor said, well, we need to do a DNC, which is to clear out your uterus, and then you're going to be fine. Easy procedure, piece of cake. Okay. The night before, I had this gut feeling that I should not do this, but I was so tired of being in the hospital and being sick, and they made it sound so easy. So I went for it, and the next morning, I woke up, same feeling, um, kind of not happy about where I was going, but I wanted to get it done. And I remember I had had surgery before this. And whenever I've had anesthesia, it's always just been um, just like time that's gone. It's not dreaming. It's not vivid. It's just gone. And this time I remember counting backwards for the anesthesiologist. And the next thing I know, I'm in the operating room and I had this beautiful 102 pound white German shepherd named Tahoe. And she had passed a couple of years before this. She comes into the operating room, lays her head on my gurney and we are gone. And we are gone. And we are on this phenomenal beach. And once again, every drop of water is alive and radiating light and love. And there are colors that we can't even imagine here and and smells and everything is alive. And she and I are running on the beach and she looks phenomenal. And I can tell we're having this telepathic communication again. She's so happy I'm there. She's so happy we're running. And I noticed after a while, we're running on the sand and it actually feels like clouds. It's not like wet beach sand. And I'm like, gosh, we're not getting tired or hot or thirsty. And so we keep running and running. And I realize it's literally just about being in this most present moment. And kind of the funny thing about this is I literally hate to run. And I tell people if they see me running, (laughs) call 911. It's an emergency, right? It's not me going out for a job. Here I am in my near-death experience running on this phenomenal beach. But as I'm with my dog running on the beach, what happens is I realize that our soul can be in more than one place at a time. So when we're not tethered to our body, we can actually be in multiple places at once. And so there's this part of me running with my dog on the beach. And then there's this other part of me where I can feel my six week old son knows I'm about to leave. And he is energetically like calling to me and I go to him. And and at this point in time, my son was physically at my house with my mom and And I go to him and I say, I I say, I won't leave you. I will find a way to stay. And I start praying and I start saying, it's not my time. My kids still need me. I need help. And I literally saw the operating room light up with a beautiful white golden light. I felt Jesus come in. um, And I want to be clear. I was, I was raised Catholic. I've always believed in angels and Jesus and all of that. But Jesus didn't come in as like, bow down to my feet or this or that. Jesus literally came in as like, oh, I'm your friend. I'm here to help you with this. And yeah, (laughs) like, hey, you called. I'm here, right? (laughs) You know, like any good friend would do. And, And I felt his presence. And then the next thing I know, I'm waking up in post op. And my 45 minute procedure had turned into a three and a half hour procedure. And what happened was they had ruptured through my uterus, missed my aorta by a millimeter, 
called in an emergency laparoscopic surgeon and also ruptured the fundus. So they ruptured my uterus twice. So all of that happened. And so my 45 minute outpatient procedure turned into a three and a half hour emergency surgery and another 10 days in the hospital. You just made Mel's life when your near-death experience included a dog. Yes. I know. <laughs> <laughs> At first, I thought you were saying that, like, there really was a dog. Well, there really was a dog. There was. <laughs> okay. But there was not a physical dog who came into the operating room because that's against the rules, guys. Exactly. There was not a physical dog in the operating room. But, I mean, this is what's so important about this. this. I always felt that our animals go to heaven or whatever you want to call this other place. She was in a better place than I could have imagined. And she was right there waiting for me. That makes me so happy when I hear stories of pets waiting for their humans, because a lot of us have lost pets and they're members of the family. And it's so hard. And people that maybe don't have pets are like, well, it's just a dog, whatever. But the ones, those of us that have those connections with them, it's like, it's, it's like agony when we lose them. So I love hearing that your dog was there. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So, so after this experience, I also still don't have the words near death experience. I just know I've had another experience. I don't really know how to wrap my head around it. Um, and I kind of mentioned it to my mom and my husband kind of thought, well, I must've had like, I don't know if he really thought it was what it was, or he thought maybe I had too much anesthesia or I don't know. He just didn't really, but my mom was really kind of intrigued, but she was an RN. So she also was like, wanted some scientific proof, which I did not exactly have for her at the moment. So after that, my third near-death experience for people who like numbers happened on 11-1-11. So November 1st, 2011. And my kids are older by this time. They were five, eight, and 10. And my two younger ones were home. And in my house, I have 14 foot ceilings and about 12 feet off the ground. I have these beautiful candle holders and you put the batteries in the candle and every night they turn on and glow. It's just nice and pretty and easy, right? So I did something I had done about 20 times already. I climbed up the ladder to put the batteries, the new batteries in the candle. And I said to my two younger kids, I said, as soon as I get done, we're going to go pick up your sister from school. And as I got to the top of the ladder, I felt it shift. And I knew the first thing I thought is this is going to hurt there. I just, that was all I had time to think is this is going to hurt. And at that moment, I was literally ripped out of my body, not in a painful way, but in an extremely fast way, ripped out of my body, turned around facing my body and the ladder suspended in the air. And I was standing with these three people that I had never met in this life, but I felt like I had always known them. And it was an Asian man, an Egyptian woman, and a Hawaiian man. And I just felt like I knew them, even though I could not place them in my life at any point. And as we were standing there, they said to me, they said, well, well what do you want to do? Do you want to stay or, or do you want to go? And I remember looking at my body and the ladder and thinking, this is crazy. I'm going to hit the floor in less than a second. And I have forever to decide what I want to do. Um, and I kind of kept going back and forth in my mind. Like there was no hurry. And yet my humanness kept saying, but I'm going to hit the floor. Should I be in a hurry? There was no hurry. And as I was looking, all of a sudden I saw a different angel, but a phenomenal, huge angel come in from the opposite side. And I knew when I saw that angel that it was there to either take me home 
as soon as I was ready or to make something happen so that I could stay. And as I stood there with these three amazing people, um, all of a sudden I saw my younger two kids who were home and I knew I had to stay. And at that moment in time, I was downloaded with so much information. I was told, okay, but you've got to go back and do what you've been ignoring. Like, it's great that you're a stay-at-home mom, but you do have more purpose than just that in your life. Um, You need to help people in the way that only you can help them. Not that I'm the only medium, but we all have, you know, different vibes and do it our own way. So it's still my way is unique to me. And, and, and And I got downloaded with all of this information within, you know, less than a second and the next thing I, I fell off the ladder and my kids who were home actually were the ones who ended up calling 911. And what happened was I had a five and a half inch skull fracture, a brain bleed. I lost my taste, my smell, my hearing, part of my equilibrium. Um, and I missed my brainstem by half an inch. So I literally survived that fall by half an inch, which is how much the angel moved my head so that I would be able to stay and finish my mission, I guess is what I would call it. So that was what really led to my mediumship um, opening up on a big level. And I will tell you the first really big visit I had. So that happened 11, 11. So I was in the hospital and then I did different rehabs and things like that. Well, in January, my son, who was five, we believed he had tried to call 911, but he was so nervous his call didn't go through, or maybe he dialed 991. We we didn't know, but my eight-year-old daughter got it through. The end of January, my grandfather, who was the one who transitioned when I was 12, came through to me in a huge visit, and he talked to me about my accident, about my head injury. He talked to me about my son whom they never walked this earth at the same time. I mean, years and years apart. And he told me that he, he said, You're, he's really good with electronics. And then before the visit was over, he said to me, you should get the 911 recording. There's something on there you need to know. And I was like, oh, wow. Never even crossed my mind. I didn't even know I could go get a 911 recording. So yeah. So I go down and I order it and then it takes a couple of weeks to come in. And And what I will say is leading up to this, my son was feeling very depressed. He would say to me, my mom, my mother-in-law, anyone who would listen, I didn't need to be there when my mom had her accident. My call didn't go through. Sophie could have done it without me. And we would say, but Josh, you opened the door, you let the policeman in, but we could not build him back up. So I get the court recording and I put it in the computer to play it. And I hear them say, 911, what's your emergency? And in his little broken voice, I hear him say, Sophie, what do I say? And he lays the phone down. And for the next minute and a half, 911 is trying to get their attention and saying, can you hear us? What's happening there? And then you hear him say, I'm going to go push the panic alarm button on the house. And she says, hold on, let me try calling 911. And she hangs up the phone and her 911 call goes through next. There were two recordings and they both went through. And so when he came home from kindergarten that day, I said, Josh, I said, your call went through. And it was like I lifted this 10,000 pound weight off this little boy's shoulder. And you could see his pride and his self-worth. And I did do something to help you came back in. And that information I would have never known had my grandfather not come through to share it with me. And at that point in time, I said, okay, I can no longer deny this. Like this is real. And this changes lives. So after you've had these near-death experiences, how does one train or fulfill their calling as a medium? Like, 
are there medium schools? How do you, what do you, I wouldn't even know what to do with that yeah. information. Right. So that's, that is a great point. So actually after all of these, like the visit with my grandpa and, and all of these things started happening, I actually went to a counselor first because I was like, um, <laughs> I think I need help. I don't know. I don't know how to explain this. And my friends are worried about potty training and first grade math. And I'm talking to dead people, you know what I mean? <laughs> so, <laughs> so, and luckily as the universe would have it, I got led to the right counselor who said, Michelle, this is such a gift. And she helped me connect with other mediums who I mentored with for years because I didn't know how to train it or turn it on, like on demand. For a while, it just felt like it would happen and I had no control over it. But then I learned how to really um, utilize my abilities to make it the best that it can be. So now that you're trained, can you still visit that spirit world if you want to? Or is that something that has to happen by almost dying? Yeah, no, I would say I can still go there, but not to the extent that I went with the near-death experiences. So I can still connect with spirit and people's loved ones and angels and get messages and all of that. And in those moments, I can always feel that divine love and that divine light that they're coming in. Um, but to really go back and be immersed the way that I would, would probably take some physical trauma. And I'm not quite ready for that. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I have a question about, I guess, the physical trauma aspect. So I've always been curious. This is the image that I'm going to use as an example. I remember for 9-11, like watching the people that were trying to get off of the top floors jumping. And the th I mean, of course, it was so sad and so horrifying. But the thought that I have was I really just hope that their spirit is taken out of their body or they have a heart attack midair as like an act of compassion from the other side. Um, and I've, I've wondered that too, like for children that get murdered or people that get murdered, because I know there's an element of dissociation, like physically, like you can map that stuff. And so when you mentioned when you were falling off the ladder, it sounds like you had that. Is that really common with near-death experiences or in death, like watching other people die? In both, it's very common. A lot of times, um, our our souls can be strongly tethered to our body, lightly tethered, or disconnect, right? And when we disconnect, we pronounce the person dead. But it doesn't mean they're dead. It just means they're not connected to their, their anchor, which is holding them here on the earth plane. So with that being said, a lot of times I will, I will read for people. I actually read for a lady whose cousin um, was in the Twin Towers when they connect, collapsed and her cousin came through in the reading and and very much so like most of the time we are not connected to the pain or the trauma that our body is going through okay so we have a lot of friends whose partners have died and a lot of them had have died in kind of a horrific way and I know that a lot of people that have that in their life like they go through the thoughts and they're thinking, I just hope that his last moments weren't in pain. And there's a lot of guilt associated with that. What would you say to those people? Yeah, you know what? I, I would tell you this. and I don't remember the pain in any of those near-death experiences. I remember the pain of recovering from them um, and, what that, and what that looked like. But 
And obviously this isn't a one size fit all, but, but I will tell you most people, there's no gain on a soul level to your soul feeling the physical trauma that you're going through as you transition. Um, it doesn't make or break your life cycle. It doesn't. You, so when you think about this, I will tell you every time I've been there, the, my word for God, the universe source, divine, whatever you want to call that higher um, being of light it, it, the true name should be love and it is about love. And so there's no reason why our souls have to stay connected to feel the trauma of the physical part ending. That's so interesting because right now I'm just thinking about pain and the purpose of pain in our bodies. And it's a protective thing for us. And, and if we're not in our physical body anymore, then there is not a reason for pain because you are not trying to protect anything from damage. Right. So that's something I've never thought about before. Super interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, I will tell you after my third near death experience, I was really finally able to come back and look at this world through a different lens. So instead of saying, why does my friend always date these same cruddy guys? I would be like, gosh, what's she trying to learn on a soul level? Right. And I could actually come back and start seeing that life is spiritual because these are our souls having a human experience. But just because we believe something to be true in our human form does not make it true on a spiritual form or a spiritual level. That brings us to a question that I have of what people see when they have a near-death experience or when they die. Does that reflect their personal beliefs, whether that be religious, non-religious, other yeah, um, not 100% of the time, but very often, yes, because you've got to think about source is God is love. Okay. So if I had shown up over there and they had shown me like a blue alien with eight heads, I would have never interpreted that as an angel, right? <laughs> because the universe is going to meet you where you are. So they showed me what my interpretation of an angel was so I could feel peace and calm and comforted. So, yes, I would say very often, if people are expecting to find Jesus, they will find Jesus. If they are expecting to see oceans, they see oceans, green hills, green hills, because it's really about the love and comfort of the transition of your soul. Um, and, and there's always evolution, right? So even after we um, transition, we don't stop evolving. You are learning and growing and continuing on the other side. So the idea of maybe some people would think like, okay, once you, once you transition, you sit at the feet of God for eternity. Wow. Okay. Well on a soul level, that might be okay for the first 200 years, but then you're going to get a little bored and you're going to be like, uh, what are we going to do now? I was going to say that sounds kind of boring. No offense. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. So the, the learning and the growing continues on. Absolutely. And, and, and so a lot of times you'll find what you're looking for because it's in your comfort zone. So if you want to be met Let's say somebody had a horrible relationship with their dad, right? And they're like, I do not want to see him when I pass. I will truly tell you when they transition, their dad's not going to be standing there to greet them because it is about their love and comfort in, in that period of time. And then when they're ready at whatever point that is, then they're going to get to meet up with dad and they're going to get to see dad on this bigger soul level. Is there cheese in heaven? <laughs> 
will I be met with cheese? <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. I know. I always say, I hope there's chocolate and cannoli, right? I mean, this is the thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you don't need to eat there to sustain yourself. So it would be about manifesting it like, oh, this tastes good. I like this. And that is part of that heavenly experience where you will find what you're looking for and you and you can Kind of like that that idea of like, oh, I'm just going to teleport to Hawaii. Okay. Oh, here you are. Right. This is the gift of being in spirit and not tethered to a human body. So no kale, all the cheese. And chocolate. And chocolate. And chocolate. (laughs) Anita and I have a theory that what manna from heaven in the Bible was is actually mini grilled cheese sandwiches and tiny tacos. (laughs) Come on. Of course it is. I have a question. Well, you mentioned that when you came back, you had information downloaded to you. I work with a lot of talented young people, and I have one student in particular. He is actually born with a brain injury. He has, I think the right side of his body is not of full use, Mm -hmm. but he seems like he is a master of jazz organ from like 1958. And he comes to lessons, he's only like 10, 11. And this kid has maturity and things that you can only get by experiencing things and and sometimes they say to him I'm like how do you know this song have you heard it before he's like well I I go did you go practice it he's like no and I'm like well did how did you know it and he's like I don't know I just was born knowing it and I believe him because I've seen it with my own eyes and every week he comes and I'm just like you have come pre-downloaded or or what I'm wondering is because he has a brain injury Is there something about the physical body that when you have something that's, quote, broken, that you have higher access to whatever higher information is out there? I would say yes and yes. So I do believe he's probably come pre-downloaded, as you put it. Um, But also, when we lose some of our human um, senses or abilities to say, oh, this is right, that can happen, that can't, it opens us up, actually, in a way where all of a sudden now it's like, well, why couldn't that happen? Um, And so it does take away kind of our human reserve or our human shell and let us connect easier with spirit world very often. And I will tell you, I was doing a group reading a few weeks ago and I had a a mother there and she had her 20 some year old autistic son um, with her. And I was able to connect with him. He's nonverbal and read him and say, oh, my gosh, he says he loves swimming. She's like, yeah, he was in the pool last night and this and that. And I was able to absolutely have this huge, amazing conversation with no words with him. And his mom was sitting there validating everything because it's just soul to soul communication. And we do it when we're in bodies and we do it when we're not in bodies. I'm feeling ripped off that I didn't get downloaded with the user manual for this life, <laughs> like the PDF of right. what to do. That would have been that would have been nice. Yes, exactly. Because we're widows, and so we are pissed that our person is dead and having a good time on the other side. And and I know a lot of people they say to us, "Well, your person was needed on the other side, so that's why he died," and that's not helpful for us. But can you explain to us? your understanding of what it's like for our our partners that have passed on, what it's like for them looking back at us, because we're just like in agony trying to get through the life. Yeah, absolutely. And and so with that being said, I mean, that's 
a, a really good question. And a lot of times I say that spirit thinks of us in a way is almost childlike. So with that being said, if your if your child came to you and was crying because the head broke off their doll, you wouldn't say, oh my gosh, that's a catastrophe. You just pop it back on and they'd be like, oh, that's fine. We're good. Right. And so a lot of times spirit sees things like that with us. So we're thinking this is the end. We're disconnected. And what our loved ones are saying to us from the other side is we're not disconnected. We still have a relationship and I'm still going to help you with the kids and I'm going to still help you get through your day and I'm going to still help you find the right job. It's going to look different than it did when I was in body, but it's an illusion that they're taken away from us. I have a question that's kind of a sensitive topic for widows. Mel and I have discussed this before, but you described a period where you got to choose whether or not you would come back to this life or whether you would transition on. And a lot of us feel some anger towards our person that they chose to transition to the next life. Do you, A, think that people do get a choice and B, why should we not be angry at them? <laughs> yeah. Well, first of all, I always tell my clients, be angry. Them and God are big oh. enough to handle your anger, right? So be <laughs> okay. angry. It's okay. They can handle it. So I'm not worried about that. If that's what you feel, you've got to let that out, okay? Um, but I don't think we always get a choice, right? Um, so, so I do feel like in my second near-death experience, I really learned that things are happening on levels. So we have the human level or the part I was knowing I was running on the beach with my dog, then my soul level, I'm getting called to my son energetically and praying for a miracle. And then there's this third level, the divine God, whatever you want to call it, that actually has to oversee it all and say, yes, you can come home or no, you can't. But sometimes like, let's say if somebody is um, killed unexpectedly in a horrific car accident, if your body cannot sustain your soul being tethered to it, there wasn't a choice in that. It wasn't like they got there and they were like, hey, what do you want to do? You know, or maybe they did get there and there was a chance they could survive, but they were going to be in a coma for 20 years. And they decided, I don't want to put my family through that either. There's not a one size fits all. I think that the transition process and the way we approach God is as unique as every single human on this planet. My personal feeling has always been that people have a choice, but they also have the knowledge that comes with that choice. Like, like you said, I know that my heart was stopped for 20 minutes and my body will not be the body that I had before. My brain will not function that way. And I don't know if you agree with that or not, but that's always been like a comfort to me. But how do we deal with people who get the miracle and we didn't get the miracle? Yeah. That's a great question because there's not a right or wrong way to deal with that. Right. Because we tend to get angry. Um, and in my own life, I actually did receive a miracle, not just the NDEs surviving them, but after I had lost my taste and smell and my equilibrium and part of my hearing and all of this, six months later, the neurologist said to me, it's never coming back. This is as good as it's going to get. And we, I actually had phantom taste and smell. So what that meant was if I walked by Starbucks, it smelled like rotting, dead, burning bodies, and I would have to go outside and vomit. I mean, I can't tell you how many times something would trigger it and because I, I could not taste or smell. Somebody told me about a lady in Paradise Valley who works with the Holy Spirit and does healings. So I had a friend who was um, transitioning from cancer, and I said, we've got to start going, and I started going with her. After we had gone about eight or ten times, she didn't need chemo anymore, 
And then all of a sudden we were at a service and this lady called out a woman who fell off a ladder who has back pain and this and that. And I stood up and I literally received a healing. And the next morning I could smell hot chocolate and I could smell my son's hot dog for lunch. And then it, within a year, my friend transitioned from cancer. And I felt so guilty because I felt like I received her miracle and I was going to be fine. Did I enjoy the way I was living? Not exactly, but I, I could survive that way. She didn't. And so there was this part where I felt so guilty that I got the miracle. But what I would say about that is at the same time, it wasn't necessarily that I feel like my soul was chosen to receive the miracle. Like I was like, me, me, God, choose me, because that actually wasn't what was happening. I was there that day saying, choose her, God, choose her. You know what I mean? And so when they, when we really dive into these things, they happen on such a bigger plan than our human minds can even comprehend, right? We're talking about soul level and souls are eternal, right? And we're talking about all that is making that decision or that judgment for whatever reason. And so I think it's really natural to feel angry. Like why did they get the miracle and we didn't, or we deserved one. And that guy was a jerk. And how come he's still here, you know, and all of that. But all I can tell you is it's happening on such a bigger level than our human mind. And so I think all of those feelings are natural and valid and some things we're not going to really know the answer to in this life. I'm curious to hear what your perspective is on those who die by suicide. Yeah. So I work with a lot of parents whose kids have transitioned themselves. And here's what I will find. I have never had one of those kids come through or anyone, a husband or whoever. I've never had someone who has transitioned themselves come through and say, I was in my right mind and chose to go. That's not what happened happens. There is always something, whether it's a mental illness or there's, there's a trigger or something leading up to that. And so what really important for people to know is your loved one, they go straight into the light. They're not being held in, you know, soul prison, purgatory, whatever this word is, because they transition themselves. There's not. Did they complete their life's mission? Maybe not. But are they being withheld from love and comfort and, and all of the things that a soul, beautiful soul deserves? Absolutely not either. Because, you know, I don't know. God literally knows this is a hard life. And this is a hard thing. And, and so I would say people come into this life kind of knowing like, okay, this could be a problem. Maybe I'll have mental health issues, maybe this or that. But when you're in it, it's a whole different world. And so there is no judgment in a negative way when somebody transitions themselves. When you're able to connect with um, souls, are they ever in pain or do they have regrets or do they have perspective? And so they don't have that human emotion that we give to them maybe? Right. Yeah. I mean, that's a great question. And so um, I, I would say when I connect with them, I wouldn't use the word pain for a physical body or a mental body. I would say basically th there are many times where we get there and we say, huh, I could have done that better. Should have done this instead of that. So it's more of like a wisdom and a knowing. I will also say a lot of times if somebody does transition themselves, it's almost like they're working harder to help their family get through it, to help their family find the great people to help, you know, so it's not that they, um, and, and regret, yes, in a, but not in a deep, the kind of deep human regret, regret in the way of like, oh, I could have done that different. If I had stayed longer, 
this would have happened. So they're able to see the big picture in a way that our human minds are not. Yeah, but not shame filled, more just kind of neutral fact like, oh, yeah, that could have happened differently. Yeah, not shame filled because they are met with love and wholeness and completeness. And so there's no one up there shaming them. You mentioned that you grew up Catholic, and then you just mentioned there's no prison purgatory sort of a thing. How have you reconciled that in your own life, growing up Catholic and having elements of that taught and your own experience? Well, from a really young age, there were a lot of things I loved about the Catholic religions. I loved knowing I had Mother Mary, angels, saints. I had all these beams of light I could call for, and they were going to help me. St. Francis would help me find my dog and, you know, on and on. Right. So that part was really good going into the mediumship because I already felt like, oh, I have a whole team of people wanting to help me. But there were always parts that didn't connect with me. Like I remember being told animals don't go to heaven because they don't have souls. And I remember being like crushed by that and thinking, what, you know, of course this beautiful little creature has a soul, you know? And, and so there were always things that I had to reconcile along my way, but I will tell you, my mom died a very devout Catholic and she passed from breast cancer. And, and towards the end, I did say to her, I said, you know what, mom, there's I thought I was giving her good news. I said, mom, there's no purgatory. Like I have never had a spirit come through and say, contact my family. I just got out of purgatory, you know? (laughs) And when I told my mom this, she glared at me. Like she did not think that was good news that I was telling her there was no purgatory. So I just kind of let it go because I was thinking I had this great news. You know what? Um, It hasn't been hard for me to reconcile, especially with my NDEs, because I know where we're going is love and I know how much we are loved. And it just makes sense. It's going to be like, you know, if you have an animal you love or your kid's naughty that day, you don't stop loving them. You're like, oh my gosh, he ripped up the sofa, whether it's your kid or your dog, you're not happy about it. But it's not like you're going to put them in a kennel now for the next 80 years, you know. And Anita actually might. (laughs) (laughs) right before this happened my son kicked a hole in the wall that's what I was dealing with that's why it was anyway so yes I do understand that on a very (laughs) very personal level right yes but when you know God is love there is no reason for that separation there is no reason for someone to have to go to purgatory or soul prison or whatever we want to use these words or be or be kept from the love because your soul whether you're connected to it or not and this is one thing i love with mediumship a lot of times people think like we're human and then you die and become the soul no actually your soul right now like your soul having this human experience right and there's no part of your soul that doesn't come from the light and isn't already deserving of going home and being loved and feeling whole So here's a question, just because I'm in this mom mindset right now. You can love your child, but they also have to have a consequence for their behavior. Does that continue into the afterlife that, you know, I still love you so much, but yeah, you're going to sit in time out and you're going to, you know, you're going to do 77 chores because you (laughs) messed up. Exactly. That's a great question. And um, my answer to that would be, No, I don't think that continues into the afterlife because even as humans, if we make a bad choice, we usually pay the consequence in one way, shape or form. Um, And so I'm not someone who believes in karma or anything like that. That's not, I don't, God's not up there like, oh yeah, you did this. So you get that. And that's not how a loving God works. Right. And so no. What about murderers? I know. Right. That's the part. Yeah. Um, I would say really what I have found is that they have to judge themselves and they do have to, Mm. to come to 
acknowledge of what they did. And, and they probably have to even, I would say, feel the pain they caused the family and everyone around that. And so that would be that it's yes. I mean, they're stuck in our human world where we're like, that is not okay. Um, but a lot of the times I would say we've already settled up before we get to the spirit realm. I know this is not inf- new information to you, but when people lose a loved one, they're often yearning to speak to them again, whether they died suddenly or whether they had a long death or whether they're missing a grandparent. And of course, in our, our world, we deal a lot with partner loss. What advice do you have to somebody who is really yearning for that? As far as if they do seek out a medium, how can they prepare themselves so that it's the best experience? Yeah, that's a great idea. So, or a great question. Um, What I would say about that is number one, there are websites. So I'm a certified medium. So there's a website called find a certified medium. I don't know if there's between 20 and 40 of us on there. So that means we have been tested. So I was told at five different times, log on to Skype at 9 a.m. Wednesday morning. I get on, there's a black screen and I just start going with what I'm getting and I'm getting scored and graded. I don't know if I'm reading for a man, a woman. I don't know where in the world they are. And so there, so I would always say, go to that website, find a certified medium because then number one, you know, they've been vetted to some extent, which is really very, very important. The other thing I would say is, It's okay to be skeptical, but be open-minded. When you go to that medium, how do they know your grandma left you her ruby ring? You know, I mean, they don't know that, right? So a lot of times people will want to say, well, you could have Googled that. Okay, well, where on Google am I going to find grandma left you a ruby ring? I'm not. You know what I mean? So, so 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 with that, the other thing too invite your loved ones in. Um, sometimes I have people who come and they're like, they want to bring a picture of their loved ones or, or bring this, their ring or bring that. That's perfect. Do it. Invite them in because I will tell you, they not only do they want to talk to you, they are hearing everything you're saying to them. So they are that thought away. Um, when you start thinking about them or you start talking out loud to them, they're there. You bring them in. So it's not that they're not hearing what you're telling them. It's just a lot of times harder for the human side of us to hear what their response is. Is there a way for people to look for signs from their loved one that they're around? Because I think we're often like, I mean, and I said this myself, I'm like, okay, Scott, you better shake the walls and knock stuff over. Like you're doing a crappy job of like haunting me because you're not doing any of those things. My grief was so big that I was just like, I, it's going to have to be a big thing that I can recognize. And also in my experience, the times where I have heard whisperings or inspiration like that, it's when things are quiet and when you least expect them or they're little like ribbons of thought that go through your mind. How, how can people look for certain things? Right. I love that. I love all of those things you just said, because those are all signs. And so number one, a lot of times you're going to find what you're looking for. So I would say be open and start looking. I do feel like grief tends to build a wall. So for myself, when my mother passed, it took me six months to get a dream visit from her, maybe longer, but I know it was my grief, right? And that's the human process that we're working through. But there are a lot of really common signs that they send, such as music, or they will send butterflies, or they will send dream visits, or they will do things like that. But look for the things that are specific to your loved ones. Okay, they love to play with electronics too. Um, So I had one mom who had been to a couple different mediums, none of them had connected with her son, 
And then the day before our reading, every 15 minutes on her phone, she started getting an alert that our meeting was the next day and 23 hours away, 20, <laughs> 22. And we're like, okay, clearly her son is like sending her signs. So be open to it. I will tell you, our loved ones are always trying to connect with us. But the human side of us is like, I want the billboard that says, um, you know, hi, you know, Anita and Mel, da, 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 love, you know, your husband, right? And, and so we don't usually get those signs, but they are always trying to give it to us. So I would just say, be open, be open. Okay. I would officially like to ask Jason to please make it so my phone doesn't send me seven emails to remind me about everything that's in my calendar. I can't fix it. I don't know. But if you could put in a request for that, (laughs) I'd appreciate it. Thanks. And some lottery numbers. Okay, bye. Exactly, right? Love it. We have had some widow friends who have gotten texts from their deceased person's phone long after they've been gone. So that's kind of common? Yes. I don't know, common in air quotes? Yes, absolutely. I mean, they use our electronics to connect with us. So even my mom, and we used to laugh, like she couldn't even use her iPhone. My mom, after she transitioned, all of a sudden on my phone, her contact would pop up and it would say missed voicemail. And it would take me to a voicemail two years ago that she had left me. And it would be like, hi, honey, I hope you're having a good day. It was in saying so yes they will use your email they will use your your phone they will use whatever they can i've had clients who will be like my doorbell wouldn't stop ringing i got up i looked at the door there's literally no one there and it's like ding 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 you know and they'd say and then the the connecting thing is it was at eight o'clock in the morning on sunday and that's when we always left for church or whatever that is so be open be open so we have lots of friends who have I don't know what the preferred term for meeting with a medium is. What's the preferred term? A reading? A what? What is it? A called? reading. I call it a reading. Okay. Okay. So they've had readings and we've had reports of really amazing experiences mm-hmm. and not so amazing experiences. Why? Right. Well, that's a great question. And there's a lot of things that go into that. So number one, please use the certified medium or someone that someone else has used and they've said, Hey, she's really good. Or he's really good. Okay. Because you've got to know, it's just like anything else. There's a huge spectrum, right? About some people are really good. Some people aren't, but then there's another thing that comes into play here. So not all mediums connect the same way and our loved ones on the other side have different abilities. So I'm not someone that hears a lot of words. Some mediums, it's like your loved one is just saying, and say this and this and this and this. I get most of my information through feelings. So if I'm connecting with somebody's loved one who is a talker and I'm getting words instead of feelings from them, there's automatically a difficult time communicating. So think of it more as like the chopped up cell phone call. So um, I do not believe every medium can connect with every person on the other side just because of the communication differences. Interesting. Do you have to prepare for a reading? I do. I do have to be in the right zone. So, um, you know, and then there are other days where like everything, you know, yes, the, the dog's vomiting in the living room, the kid's homesick. And I'm like, oh, my God, I have a reading in five minutes. Right. And the water's running over somewhere. And I'm like, oh, OK, Michelle, put in, put in. So, yes, it does help to be in a zone. But what I will say is I always do my readings with I with what I, I literally say. I say that any information that comes through will be in light and love and for this person's highest good. And when I say that, I I can literally feel myself turn on. I can literally feel myself connect to spirit. 
and I can say, okay, here we go. And then I tune into the loved ones. And, and I will tell you, when I first started mediumship, I would worry, like, what if someone comes over and their loved ones don't show up? What if I have nothing? They come in, I'm like, nice to meet you. I've got nothing. Have a good day. Um, that's, not, <laughs> you know, that's not what happens because your loved ones, your angels, your spirit team, they are always here. So sometimes I can get really, really deep, like messages where I'm just like, oh, my Lord, where did that come from? Um, because it is so, so deep on. And then other than, but there's always something. There are always messages because they always want to get you to know that they're still standing right next to you. Does it work where they ask you questions to ask them? Or is it more just they're there to receive whatever information their loved one wants to pass on? Yeah, sometimes people do ask questions. And I don't always get answers to that because I don't think we're always allowed to get the answer when we're here on earth. But a lot of the times I will. Um, a lot of times too, though, if they will just be open to receiving some people I have, they'll show up, they'll have a list of questions. And I'll say, okay, before we get to your questions, let me see what I'm getting. By the time I get done, we I have answered every one of their questions without even knowing what's on their list. Not me. I haven't answered it. Spirit has answered it. Their loved ones have answered it because they know what's on your list and what's in your mind and in your heart. Have you ever had somebody ask you where to find something and then you have been able to help them find it? You know what? I have had that happen a few times. Yes. And what about passwords? <laughs> I know, right? Right. That is very common. I have so many people say, can you just figure out the code to their phone or the, yes. Um, that is a lot harder, um, but it's doable. It's doable. Hmm. And you can do a reading over the internet. Yes, that's what it sounds like if you did your testing with Zoom. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Because our loved ones are in spirit. So they're standing with you and your house and me and mine. And here we go. They're loving the electronics. Yeah. Probably, of the internet. <laughs> We also have widow friends who have either started dating or they're maybe considering dating or they are dating. And then we have widows who are not open to it. Every, you know, everybody falls in a certain area of the spectrum. And I know for me, I've had a couple of readings and then also I'm around, I guess, pretty spiritual people. And sometimes like it's happened like multiple times where the message is Scott, it, like the, it's every time the second thing that comes through, it's like, you need to be open to finding someone else. And I'm like, shut up. Do you realize what I've been through in my life? I hate you. Go away. Like, it's going to be my decision. But I'm just like annoyed about stuff like that. What's your perspective or your opinion or experience on on people who may have lost a partner, but the their dead partner is like, hey, you're going to find somebody. Like, have you had experience with that? I have. I've actually had some of my friends tell my dad after my mom passed that they're like, okay, well, she's going to be sending you someone. And my dad wants nothing to do with that. So I totally, I totally get that. So it's always about honoring yourself. But I, but I also want to talk about what our loved ones think in spirit, right? Our loved ones in spirit don't want us to quit living, to shut the door, stay home and sit there on the couch for the next 60 years. What if that's what I want to do, though? That sounds great. Yeah, that's been my plan. <laughs> I know. <laughs> right. But then at the end of your life, they're going to say, well, I mean, but you guys are doing a podcast, so you actually could be very productive sitting in your house for the next 60 years. <laughs> True. <laughs> Most people cannot be. Um, and on a soul level, the more we live, the more vicariously they get to live through us. And so I do say, 
really, I find that our loved ones come through and they say, yes, if you can, we want you to remarry. We want you to have the family. We want you to have the vacations, the Christmases, the whatever these things are. But it's always about the time that's right for you. But really, once we leave our human form and we step into that bigger spiritual person that we are, it's it's about wanting the best for our loved ones that are still on earth. It's like having multiple kids, right? You Or multiple dogs. You can love all three dogs. You can love all three kids. You're not going to love them the same way, but you can love them all. And that's the same with other relationships, right? So you can remarry. You can have a loving relationship. Will it be like your first one? No, but that's not the one you're looking for. It's It's who you need now. Or what if you like the second person better? Good for you. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever had a person tell somebody don't start dating or like don't do it like no I don't want you to find love um I have not had it come through like that now I've had them come through and be like I don't like the guy you're dating you can do better than that type energy but not like no just don't ever look at another man again I haven't ever had that happen but I have had them be like this isn't the one you need to keep looking or I'm going to try to help get this guy that you don't know yet connected to you in a year and a half kind of energy like that so Mel told you that she has done a few readings and I have never done one because I'm scared and I'm not scared like people are like oh do you think it's like black magic and like woo and no my fear is that I'll come away and I will be disappointed with the interaction or what was relayed to me. And it will make me believe less rather than believe more, if that makes sense. Like, I would rather almost be naive and hold what I think is happening in my brain than have it confirmed one way or the other. Yeah. What do you want to say to me? You know what? First of all, I would say, I think that's very legitimate concern because some people are really afraid of what they're going to hear in the sense that, oh my gosh, she didn't get the one keyword. Okay. So this is the hard part as a medium, right? I will come through with 56 minutes of amazing evidence that your loved one is still connected to you. And then they'll be like, I just need to hear the one word now that will validate all of that. And I'm going, oh my gosh, because their person has just worked so hard through me to connect with them. And now the, the whole last hour is based on one word. And so that's really hard. But I would say if you go in open-minded, if you can do it from a place of, you know what, it's like going clothing shopping, whatever your favorite store is, you're not going to leave with every shirt there. You're going to pick the ones you want. So going in and taking what resonates for you. And if some of it doesn't, then you can say, ah, I'll leave that there for later. What if you get no shirts that you like, and then you feel like your husband doesn't exist anymore? Then that is all in your head. <laughs> that is all in your Fine. head. <laughs> she, she's also a life coach, so she can help coach you through your thoughts. <laughs> that Because your husband does still exist. And your husband will always be sending you the signs and the messages that he can. My God, he sends you seven email notifications a day or whatever this is, right? <laughs> like Stop doing that. <laughs> I don't want that. Where can people find you and your resources? Yeah. On my website, michelleclaircelare.net, and that's where you can find a lot of information about what to expect with the reading, how it works, um, links to other things that I have been on, Amazon Prime. Um, there's a special out that says it's called Life to Afterlife, I Died Now What? And that's on Amazon Prime, and that's that talks a lot about, hey, what are your people experiencing on the other side? Well, we have really enjoyed having you as our guest and chatting with you. It's been so fun. Anita is kind of 
sitting back. If anyone can see her right now, <laughs> they would see that she's like mind blown. Are you okay, Anita? <laughs> oh, I'm never okay. okay. We all know that. But it's fine. We have one more question to ask you. And Anita, I'm going to let you do the honors. Okay. This is the most important question, Michelle. If you don't answer it correctly, I will not believe in an afterlife. Are you ready? No pressure. I'm ready. <laughs> no pressure. What is your favorite cheese? Oh, oh, I have to pick one. <laughs> you can have three if you yeah. need it. I can have or five. three. We don't really care. Oh, my goodness. Well, I love Gouda. Love Everybody that. loves Gouda. Right? Yeah. It's so yummy. Could I say queso? It kind of counts as cheese, right? Absolutely. <laughs> Especially queso. since you're in, in Phoenix. Like, mm. I feel like that's required. Yeah. You can say queso. You did not fail. So congratulations. You can sigh a breath of relief. <laughs> Thank oh, you. Breathe a, sigh. <laughs> breathe a sigh of relief or sigh a breath of relief. Who knows? I don't know. Whatever works. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today, Michelle. I think that what you have shared is going to bring some comfort and some understanding to a lot of our listeners. Thank you so much. It's truly been an honor and a pleasure to be with you both today. Remember to check out the Widow Wives Club on Facebook. If you're not already a member of our group, it's for widows or widowers, anybody who has lost their romantic life partner. And just remember to make sure you submit all the information. We're really not going to let you in if you don't answer all the questions. If you want to keep the podcast going, check out our Patreon. It's patreon.com slash WWDN. If you would like to buy us a taco, go to buymeacoffee.com slash now. Until we talk to you next time, I'm Anita. I'm Mel. I'm Michelle Claire. And we're just two young widows and a lady who either has really good luck or really bad luck. I'm not quite sure. And we're all trying to figure out. Widow, Widow we, we do, do now. now. This is my favorite thing to discuss with you. Tell me, what well, is it? One of my favorite things. I do enjoy tacos and cheese and dogs. This is about how you cannot pay hundreds and hundreds of dollars for a phone plan, especially when you're a widow, your person is dead, you might have kids, you might need another option, and you just want your phone to work, you want unlimited texting and service, and you want it to be like 25 bucks a month. It blows my mind that they have plans that start at $15 a month. That is so cheap. And the cool thing is, is it uses other 5G networks. And so you don't have to pay extra for that. And you still get great service. Yep. Anita and I have traveled all over and I have used my phone. So I highly recommend it. And my mom's even on it. When my dad died, we put his phone down to the cheapest plan, which is $15 a month. And I think my mom's on the $20 a month plan and it's so worth it. It's so much cheaper than what we were all paying before. So I highly recommend it if you're on a budget or not, who cares? Ryan Reynolds is in charge of the company and they send you free stickers with Ryan Reynolds temporary tattoos. It's kind of the best. So. If somebody wants to sign up, what can they do, Anita? Go to trymintmobile.com slash WWDN. Seriously, you guys, such a great idea. Save yourself some money. And if you're worried about losing data or having any changes with your phone, not going to happen. They walk you through it. Everything's fine. It's the easiest process of all time. Again, that's trymintmobile.com slash WWDN.